For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ring of Honor has started a new year with a revamped roster. So how did their first big show of 2019 turn out? We won't rain down on the show, but there are concerns after Honor reigns supreme. News and title changes in WWE this week, along with two stellar matches. But it's what's going on outside of the ring that might be setting the product and the women's division back as the new year gets going. And more news and tidbits coming on the AEW front. Who might be on their radar? And AEW might see some defections from WWE. In our extended discussion, we will discuss some notable reincarnations of wrestlers' gimmicks going to and leaving from WWE. It's all coming up. Next. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Paul. And our sniffling, snorting dog, Jackson, who just decided he's going to make all sorts of noise during the podcast. <laughs> yeah, he always does. <laughs> Last week we didn't show it, but he pulled down our mics mid-podcast. <laughs> got to be a part of the show, I guess. Yeah, he's got to have his five minutes of dog fame. <laughs> all right, well, good week of... Uh... Wrestling, a kind of a light week. I would definitely say it was a light week, not like last week where it seemed like we were talking about so many different promotions. We just got a few things to touch on this week, but we've got some interactive stuff. Good and stuff. speaking of interaction, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Two Faced Pod, T W O F A C E D P O D, for polls and questions that we put out where you can give your responses and we could read them on this very podcast. Also, Follow me, because I'm very active on Twitter as well, at SuperKickingIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T, and I put up polls all the time, and I swear, I know I keep saying it every week if you guys are our loyal listeners, I am getting back to my wrestling t-shirt poll, literally, I promise you, starting next week. But this week, I just picked my own wrestling t-shirt. We'll see. We'll see if you, it actually comes to fruition. It's the goal, let's say. <laughs> but this week, I picked up my own, as I said, and it's the Briscoes. Yep. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's got a VHS on it. It's a little big, but I got it from ROHWrestling.com. And this is what it says. Read it, Paul. Well, it, it, <laughs> Please. it speaks to me because I'm old, too. Been in the game so long, we on VHS tapes. Watch the damn tapes. And it says Briscoes. Uh, 18 years of violence, 2002, question mark. Yeah, I love this shirt. It's awesome. And it was supposed to come in like a VHS box, but it didn't. Frick. It's still awesome. I still really like it. And um, I don't know. I'm old enough to remember VHSs. In, in fact, I still have like hundreds of them on display at my mom and dad's house, like a piece of art or something. <laughs> VHSs, ain't nothing wrong with that. Well, we'll see if uh, Kelsey does the t-shirt poll next week. But one thing we can guarantee you the NFL Conference Championships are this weekend, so why not get in the action by laying down a little action? Uh, go to 
mybookie.ag. Use the promo code KICKIT. You'll help us out, and you'll get in the game for uh, the conference championship games between the Saints and Rams and Patriots and Chiefs. And we want to thank our good friends at St. Arnold for supporting this show. This week, again, she's got her raspberry AF. With no food. <laughs> so this might be risky here. And I've got my delicious Art Car IPA. So cheers, Kels. And let's get the show underway. It's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for Headlines. And we're going to start with the only major show of the weekend and wasn't even a major major show but it's the first big show really for ring of honor uh in this new year in kind of a new era almost with without the, yeah. the young bucks no young bucks no christopher daniels no uh kazarian no scorpio sky no hangman page no cody no cody no brandy yep because so. we actually talked about how big of a missing piece Brandy was because she wasn't just a wrestler. She was also, like, a very well-loved valet yeah, so. who added a lot in Ring of Honor. So we were curious to see how they were going to fold in some of their new signings at Honor Reign Supreme. Uh, we'll start with some general thoughts on the show. And, look, I know it wasn't a pay-per-view. It's more of a house show kind of thing almost. But, man... The crowd, sparse and very little energy. Definitely, it was a it was a very soft spoken, I guess you could say, or soft cheering crowd. They weren't really very loud and boisterous, which is unusual because sometimes Ring of Honor has some pretty rowdy crowds, even though they might not be the biggest crowds. So that was kind of a bummer because their sound quality has improved, but just the crowd noise wasn't there. And I'm wondering how many people decided not to go since the Bucks aren't in the promotion anymore. Yeah, I, I, again, I don't know the history in this building. Do they not generally play in smaller crowds there? You know, it's right outside of Charlotte. We'll see if this becomes a trend in other Ring of Honor shows as we watch them on Honor Club. Now, it would have been interesting to see what the crowd was like at center stage, because traditionally, we've been there in person twice, and each time it was sold out. It was pretty much filled up the entire building, so... I would have liked to have seen, because that was the night before Honor Reign Supreme. They were in Atlanta. And we're going to start wonder, watching those on the TV tapings. Maybe we'll get a sense of those. Exactly. So I wonder how full that building was. Right. Because we know they filled it when they had the box. Right. So it would be interesting to compare a building we're actually familiar with. Now, we could be totally wrong. It could just be kind of an area that they don't fill out normally anyway, right. which would be fine. We're not trying to pass any judgment. We're just saying that the crowd definitely seemed to lack energy. Right. So we'll see how the crowds are going forward and whether it's cause for concern. In a couple minutes, we'll also tell you about something else that's certainly cause for concern when you've already had all these departures from the roster and you lose two key guys to injury. But we'll start at the end of the show in the Ring of Honor world title match between Jay Lethal and Dalton Castle. Uh, Nick Aldis on commentary. Uh, I, I thought for sure this was the match of the night. Oh, yeah, hands down. It was awesome. And one of the comments I said as we were watching it was, wow, everything they were doing was so smooth. Because sometimes you can see a wrestler setting up a move from like a mile away, and there's some clunkiness between the two participants mm -hmm. in the match when they transition from sequence to sequence. Here, like I said, the key word is smooth because Lethal and Dalton, they just had great chemistry and literally every counter 
or every transition was perfectly executed by both of them and perfectly timed. The timing was there in every aspect of the match, and just it was really solid all the way around. And I think, I don't know, they've they've had good matches before. That's mm-hmm. why I think they have a certain chemistry together. Because yep. you remember, you're not like the Eugene Dalton Castle nope. fan, but one of the previous matches between Castle and Lethal was kind of brutal, and you really liked it. I and did. respected Castle for yeah, it. Yeah, it kind of changed my opinion of him a little bit. As uh, Even though he's more a ground-based wrestler, obviously. Uh, just some of the bumps he takes. And look, this dude's battling a ton of injuries. So I, I respect everything he's doing and putting his body through. And uh, I love the cutter from uh, Lethal onto the floor. I thought that was kind of a cool move. And uh, overall, uh, I thought it a really solid match. Not only a solid match, but as you alluded to, all this was on commentary. And man, we said this a few weeks ago in our wrestler end of the year special. We said Aldis is such an underrated talker, and yet again, he's proving it time and time again. Another underrated talker, Caprice Coleman, <laughs> who was on commentary um, throughout the night. But you like that Nick Aldis comment uh, early in the, in the show. Oh, yeah. Aldis specifically said, um, Lethal's got hands like shovels, fists like hams. <laughs> I really thought that that was an interesting phrase. It might be like a well-known phrase, but I've never heard it before used together like that. So to me, he just has some really interesting phrases, and he's so professional. Like, he addressed the crowd before he went and got on commentary, and just he oozes charisma mm-hmm. in a very classic, very, like, regal sort of way, if that makes sense. He's just, I don't know, very dapper, I would say. So that was the match of the night, and I, I would contend the other really good match. There were a couple other decent matches, but the other really good one was uh, Villain Enterprises. Really my first chance to see them together uh, as Marty Scurll, Brody King, and PCO took on Silas Young and uh, our boys, the Briscoes. The Briscoes! <laughs> so much physicality as you would expect in any Briscoes match. And look, I didn't know a lot about PCO. I had to look up his history, his independent circuit work, his past WWE work, the fact that he's not exactly a kid. And dude is awesome, and crowd really takes loves him. Risks, yes, <laughs> takes many risks. And I told you, PCO was over before yeah. he went to Ring of Honor. He's been like making the rounds on like the, you know, I, some indie circuits, and then I think he's really, really over. And I think he's a great acquisition for the company because they need somebody crazy. Well, and he's definitely crazy. Well, and you put him in a match with a guy who also seems crazy, and Mark Briscoe. Oh my gosh! And the chop exchange that seemed to go on forever. And I like how, like, I think it was PCO was out of the ring for a while, and then he comes back right. in the ring, and Mark's like, "I thought you were dead." <laughs> well, that was after uh, Squirrel had hit PCO with that that uh, sling, like slung him onto the apron, that brutal oh, spot. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. Briscoe says, I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead. That's uh, my terrible Briscoe impersonation. Yeah, both of us. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I love impersonating the Briscoes. They're my fave. OHWrestling.com. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh, I also loved, and look, I, we talked about this before, got a taste of it at PWG, but Brody King. For a big man, so much athleticism. Oh my god, he was incredible. I love the things he was doing. He was flipping over the top rope to the outside. But remember, we also saw him as a young lion at that New Japan Strong Style Evolve show, which a lot of people might not have noticed when they were watching that show, but he was one of the guys on the sidelines. Well, and I and now he's in Ring of Honor. It's really cool how he's progressed just in the year. I'll tell you who he reminds me of, and this literally just came into my head thirty seconds ago. 
he because of he he's such a big dude and so athletic. He reminds me of a guy that just left Ring of Honor not Punishment? too long ago. Well, or Dijak. Oh yeah, I yeah. Guess, either one. Yeah. So, um, I, regardless, I am a I'm a big fan of Villain Enterprises. Oh yeah. I think this is going to be a great little faction. It's funny to me. Marty Scurll's got the most charisma and the you know the entrance and all that. But I think he's the least of the wrestlers in the three. Oh I think, yeah. I think I think Brody King is going to stand out as as the the guy in that group. Well, two things. First, yes, you mentioned the entrances and how Marty's is so really eye catching and charismatic. Iconic and stuff. already. <laughs> but you brought up a good point. You were like, why aren't they coming out together to like? It could still be to Marty's song, but they could like come up with some kind of cool entrance because they are a faction right right i mean you could have a variation of marty's theme maybe but yeah if they're if they're coming out individually for matches it's one thing but since they're villain enterprises they should have one entrance theme but that's that's a long uh, pet peeve of mine and my buddy jim eddings in champaign (laughs) illinois we always talked about it's annoying how tag teams have separate entrances you know, they got to play individual entrances. There should be just, just come out to one entrance. Everybody come out to one entrance. But everybody loves the entrances. Jeez, HC has a lot of problems with wrestling, <laughs> yeah, it seems like. <laughs> Maybe that's why he stopped watching a year ago. I don't know. Maybe so. <laughs> Listen to our podcast. I know. I know. <laughs> but speaking of Marty Skrull, I want to stay on him for a minute because there's a lot to analyze with him. I thought, you know... It would be very telling if he had chemistry with this group or not, because he's so close with the Young Bucks. Right. And obviously, he's the only member of the elite who hasn't gone to AEW. So I'm sure he's missing his friends, and I'm not really sure how much they're interacting outside of wrestling right now. But man, I was surprised. The chemistry was there, and that was really a good sign moving forward, because it could have really showed in the ring if he didn't have that connection with them, and if he was kind of in a bummer mood because he was missing his friends. Well, what's funny about Marty, and again, I just thought of this as you were saying that, Marty is kind of like Bailey was at NXT when everybody left. Mm -hmm. You know, the the other four horsewomen left. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) That's the way Marty is now. Everybody's left him for AEW, and he's kind of left to fend for his own and the promotion. So Now, that is an interesting (laughs) illusion. I really like, like that, a very nice comparison. But still staying on Marty for a moment, you mentioned that he's actually the least wrestler. In terms of, he doesn't do a lot of high-flying stuff. He's more kind of like ground, and he does a lot of standard things, but that's Great a good thing. stuff, yeah. And that's a good thing for Ring of Honor right now, because as we saw, there's two huge injuries for Ring of Honor that are going to be a huge problem. The biggest one, I think, n- not downplaying Chris Sabin, but Flip Gordon's injury. That is such a huge deal, and it is legit. PWG tweeted out that he will be replaced. I think it was by Bandito. Is going to take his place in in uh, their next show. That's such a bummer because I think he was going to get a really big push. And obviously they were investing in, in him. He's had some big storylines like with Bubba Ray, uh, Bully Ray now. So that's a huge blow, don't well, you think? What are ab- your thoughts? Absolutely, because he had such a big year last year. Seemed like he was poised for an even bigger year. You know, even in the broadcast they were talking about tag wars, and he was going to be paired with Colt Cabana, and then. You know, the match ha- happens with Hot Sauce Tracy Williams, and... It, what even happened? Yeah, again, we could we watched it, we, you know, s- scrolled back and watched it four or five times, and I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes these things just happen, and you never, like, it, it could be that been, move you take a thousand well, times, just, just landing wrong. Or something that was pre-existing that maybe nobody really knew was there, and that was the final blow 
you know, to tear or something or whatever, you know. Now, we mentioned Caprice, and we mentioned Aldis on commentary during that particular match where Flip got hurt, unfortunately. Kenny King was the guest, and he replaced Caprice. And I got to give it to him. Ian was kind of, like, tripped up with what to say. Right. Because it was obvious that Flip was hurt, and and Ian just kept saying, like, he's going to be the next world champ. He can do it. He can do it. I believe in him, or whatever he was saying. And then Kenny King was like, no, he's hurt. Invest in somebody who's not going to get hurt, who who always, uh, you know, delivers. So Kenny King kind of... He just went with the punches, well, well, and so he, he did a good job. He also had the great comment. I gotta, I gotta look at it again when he was talking about Flip getting his title chances because of uh, the cruise and Kenny King. Oh said, yeah, Flip takes advantage of drunk wrestlers. He said all their other wrestlers were drunk. It didn't on count. The cruise doesn't count. That's why Flip was able to uh, to win. Uh, Bandito and PJ Black was a good match. Good to see. I had to look back. I, I didn't know PJ Black was Justin Gabriel, so kind of uh, interesting how old PJ Black he, looks compared to Justin Gabriel. He looks insanely different. <laughs> I know he probably tied his hair. I mean, that's what made him look so much older. And if you want to know more about PJ Black, now we did talk about this last week, so I'm sorry if you guys listened and I'm repeating myself, but check out NWA's YouTube channel, the 10 Pounds of Gold series. They highlighted PJ Black because he challenged at center stage, he challenged Nick Aldis the night before on a reign supreme. And they had that, you know, NWA World's title match. And so it talked all about his struggle to get back in the ring. Basically, his ankle twisted completely off around. Right. They had to rebuild it. I mean, it wasn't off his body, but it was really, really bad. But his finger was. And his finger, yes, was cut <laughs> off, and they had to reattach it. So he struggled so much to get back into the ring. But could you tell? Yeah, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know with the high-flying stuff he did. Uh, the springboard move off the top was awesome. So, yeah. I don't know if he's as good as the Justin Gabriel days, but sure seemed pretty close. Yeah, and they even showed in that NWA video his, like, rehab. Like, in one part, he's, like, using this device to help him walk. I wouldn't have even known he ever hurt his ankle. That was crazy, like, because he seemed to be moving very fluidly. Awesome to see him make such a comeback after such a terrible injury. Now, like we said, Chris Saban got injured again the night before at center stage, just like Flip got injured this weekend. So that's a big blow. Yeah, yeah, the roster's getting a little thinner, and it was already a little thin, so some guys are really going to have to step up. Uh, the likes of maybe, like, Shane Taylor, mm-hmm. people like that are going to have to get a little more of a push. Uh, um do you think Bandito did good in his yeah. first kind of bigger show for yeah, Ring of Honor? Yeah, no, Bandito's awesome. I, I think he's gonna he, he's gonna get a lot of chances as well. Uh, again, all these guys are gonna have to step up because oh yeah, Flip because, was somebody they were kind of building stuff around. So now it's gonna be somebody else. We also uh, started the show with Juice Robinson and David Finley against the Best Friends. Kind of seems like they're setting up a Beretta title run versus Juice for the U.S. title. I would love to finally see a Beretta singles run. I've been yep, saying this for weeks. Yep. Sorry, guys. I'm going to repeat it. Beretta needs to have a singles push. He got broken up from Rapungi Vice. Why do that just to put him back with best friends? Now, I love best friends. I love Chucky e. T. But uh, I'd also love to see, we kind of talked about, if he does break off, won't that uh, Chucky e. T versus Beretta match be a great payoff? Right. That would be an awesome match a wonderful match but you want to zero in on the other team juice robinson david finley they were coming out calling them fin juice and you said again you don't know anything about this much like i understand vhs tapes from back in the day bug juice is not in my uh, wheelhouse vhs's are bug (laughs) juice is not so if you guys are 90s kids like me anybody listening 
there was this old school Disney Channel show. It was almost like one of the first kids reality shows, I guess you could call it. These kids go to a camp. Um, and they're staying away from home, and it's about friendships and all this other junk, whatever. It doesn't matter. The show's called Bug Juice, and it had a very catchy theme song, and it was like, Bug Juice, it doesn't come in a jar, yada yada. If you guys are not familiar with it, I'm about to spoof it. So, to see how bad slash good my song spoofing skills are, go look up the original after you hear my spoof. Just search for, I guess, Bug Juice theme song on YouTube, and it'll come right up. But here's my little spoof of the song, because Finn Juice just reminded me so much of Bug Juice, and that theme song just gets stuck in my head. So here it is. Oh gosh, it's bad. <laughs> Please excuse me. <gasps> Finn Juice, it doesn't come in a jar. Finn Juice is who they are. They have the flavor of greatness they can achieve. Talent, working together, not alone. Talent, their ceiling is unknown. Working together, they all have grown. Finn Juice, the real-life tag team. Finn Juice, great wrestlers, being friends, having matches. Oh-oh, Finn Juice. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad, but it's great. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it's terrible. I'm terrible. Thank you for indulging me, people. <laughs> uh, one final thought on Honor Reign Supreme <laughs> so as bad. we move on. Uh, that was really bad, but Brian Koval at Brian Koval thought Honor Reigns Supreme was really good. Like opening the first chapter in a new beginning with all new talents, Lethal vs. Castle was great. Such intensity and easy watch. So, good, but uh, good, a but... ways for Ring of Honor to kind of get back to the level they were at. And look, you know, Joe Koff said it. This week, I saw a release from him. Or, you know, we've lost talent in the past. You know, and we oh, developed new huge talent. talent. Yeah, yeah. Brian Danielson, aka Daniel Bryan. Right. You know, CM Punk, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles. The list goes on and on. These are huge names for them in the past. Right. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, or you know, back in the day, El Generico. We'll talk more about that. <laughs> Wrestlers who changed their gimmicks. That's our extended discussion later. That's what we call a tease, right there. It is a tease. <laughs> <laughs> it fit in so perfectly. It I did. had to. But yeah, they lost all those great people. They can recover again. No, I think the Bucks are kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime talent to have and to lose. Not saying that CM Punk was nothing for them, because CM Punk was a huge cornerstone of Ring of Honor. But, I don't know, the Bucks just, they had helped break attendance records. So, to me, it is a little bit different, but they can recover. They've done so before. I know they can do it again. And as, again. It's just going to take time. It's and a as time long game. as they work together with AEW, that obviously would cushion the blow as well if People that happens. People are questioning that, but right. I still have hope and belief. Because, let's mention this, before the set of shows for Ring of Honor this weekend, I can't remember if it was, I think it was Nick. Nick Jackson tweeted out, this is our first set of shows, you know, not being in the loop with the boys for Ring of Honor. You know, good luck to all the crew and all the boys this weekend for their big shows. We'll see. Hopefully. So, to Hopefully. me, obviously, they're cordial whether or not they work together. <laughs> I just think it'd be kind of a, a really great surprise if they just showed up at G1 Supercard. I don't know. How big of a... They showed up. At, we'll talk more about this later. They showed up somewhere else as well. Right, right. AEW. So, so we'll we're, see. We're going to get to AEW in a second, but we're going to switch gears and go to WWE. Kind of talk about the good and the bad this week. It's the uh, week before the week of a pay-per-view, obviously. One of their big pay-per-views of the year is coming up next weekend. Uh, the Royal Rumble, NXT TakeOver, uh, out in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Christmas week... Vince McMahon just kind of 
casually dropped in that there was going to be a win and tag team division. Didn't elaborate in any way, which mm-hmm. was a little weird. Uh, they announced on Raw this week that there's going to be a tag team title match uh, coming up at, at the Elimination Chamber. Three Raw tag teams, three SmackDown tag teams, and the winner is going to come out of the Elimination Chamber. I, I'm excited that there's going to be a women's tag team division, but I wanted to ask you, do you think the first title should be determined in a gimmick match like Elimination Chamber? I really don't see a problem using a gimmick match to determine. It makes it different. It, I guess they could put more story if it was just a normal match, but I guess using a gimmick match makes it a little more memorable and a little more like, wow, this is a bigger deal. And I guess the way, too, is it makes it more wide open because you're going to have six teams in there. Mm-hmm. So that makes it interesting. But I also think you could have done a tournament leading up to it and just had a final. I, uh, I could see that, too. I would have agreed with that being the right way to go, but, but I, they didn't do that. I can see why they're doing this, too, to make you know the pay-per-view, the Elimination Chamber, and this t- first-ever tag team title belt memorable. So... Teasing the bad, though, I don't like that the reveal came after that horrible Alexa Bliss segment. Yeah. Now, we will get to that, but continue on with the good. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick with the good for now. You take the good, you take the bad. What? Bounce them out, and what do you have? The facts of life. See, I'm showing my age. <laughs> <laughs> I never watched that show. I, actually, I didn't watch that show either. I just know, oh, okay. I just know the theme song. I do not. <laughs> um, That's one theme song I can't spoof. Not yet, anyway. We've, we've talked about WWE hopefully making more of a commitment to wrestling, and we're going to talk, again, about the bad part of that in a moment. But really some good matches this week. A little more time involved in it. Had an Intercontinental Tag Team, or Intercontinental Three-Way Title Match. Bobby Lashley, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins. Really good match. Lashley wins with a little help from Leo Rush. No surprise there. What do you think of Lashley? Are you uh, a fan or not? Uh... <laughs> to me, he's just like blah. If that makes sense, he's kind of kind of boring. But Leo I, helps that, I think. Leo does. I mean, that's why he's paired with Leo. But I mean, he's very powerful looking. He's a specimen of of sorts. And he does, <laughs> and he does some good athletic moves. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, but... he's a he's a decent wrestler. He's good. He's solid. But I don't know. I mean, I don't like see him, and I'm like, yeah. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I could be in the the minority on this, but that's just my brutally honest opinion. I don't really have too much of a passionate opinion either way. One of the matches of the week was the fatal four-way for the number one contender to face Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble because Braun Strowman still isn't cleared. I'll have more of that in my closing out the show. Uh, Finn had to beat Jinder Mahal just to get into the match. Then he ends up winning it. Finn as a contender against Brock. I like it because this is something people have wanted, or at least a section of people who are WWE viewers yeah. have wanted. And, you know, people who love Finn wanted this match a long time ago, and I think it's something different. I can't wait to see Brock pair up with somebody smaller. I mean, I know, he didn't he have a match against Daniel Bryan? Well, he had a match against uh, and AJ, AJ Styles. Styles. Yeah. yeah. I mean, both smaller guys, but I really think that Finn is a different type of smaller guy. And really versatile. And I just want to see what Brock does with him. Hopefully he brings his A game or A game at all. <laughs> Two different A games. An A game, like A+, plus, and then any kind of game. Because sometimes he kind of just phones it in, in my opinion, if, it make, if that makes sense what I'm saying. I hope he kind of steps up and gives it his all. Because that has the, the potential, really, to be a great match. If 
he delivers, if he puts in the effort. Yep. Finn will. Yep. It's all about Brock. Will he, won't he try? I'm glad Finn is back in this and, and, and going to headline uh, or be one of the headline singles matches, I mm-hmm. guess. Obviously, the Royal Rumble itself will be the headline. The only thing I didn't like about this, because it was such a great match, and John Cena was involved in it as well, at the end, we had to get the uh, John Cena validation of Finn that we see him do so often where, oh, this guy, you know, has heart, you know, blah, blah, blah. Look, I, I get that they want to put Cena in this mo- role of kind of passing the torch maybe. Finn Balor doesn't need John Cena's validation. Well, the <laughs> passing of the torch. That's my problem with it. The passing of the torch thing is kind of getting a little old yeah. and overplayed because Cena's done it so many times. But I can see the flip side of the coin where WWE wants the casual fans to accept him. Because right. maybe on paper, to those of the audience that are not hardcore viewers who didn't follow him in NXT, they might be like, all we remember is he got hurt after one match. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. So they need something more. And a lot of those same types of people who have that belief or maybe not even care or know much about Finn Balor, they care about Cena because those are the casual fans. So to me, I could see the flip side of the coin why they want to go that kind of phoned-in route. It's almost like a cheap pop in a way, but it's a cheap, you're putting somebody over kind of thing. But you got to do what you got to do. The match of the week in WWE, and I I contend that it it would be up there with Lethal and Castle for the match of the week. I'd really have to see it. I'll admit that I have not because I can't say which one I would like better. But Andrade versus uh, Rey Mysterio, if you didn't see it, uh, about 17 minutes long. Probably could have gone a lot longer. Uh, Which is very long for a TV match. Right. Uh, Just an amazing match. Andrade is is right there. I mean, they're certainly pushing him. They certainly have a lot of respect for his talent. Some great reversals in this match. So I want to get to two things in this match. Mm -hmm. Uh, First off, let's talk about Andrade. We've talked about him a little bit. He is so good. He's certainly getting a push. But will WWE give him a title push any more than, like, I think he'll probably get, like, an Intercontinental U.S. title. Would he ever win one of the main belts? I don't think so. I mean, I would like to say yes. Right. But I, I mean, with his mouthpiece, he could go further. Right. Um, I just don't, I don't know. It's hard to say because there's people who I think deserve a world title run, like Sami Zayn. He'll never get one. I know that no. for sure. Now, I will say, Olmos is a little different in that I think they are probably higher on him than Sami Zayn in mm-hmm. terms of they think he can go further right. and higher up the card than even Sami. So I think already you're seeing that they value, in terms of where he is on the card, they value Olmos more than somebody like Zayn. So maybe maybe they'll surprise us and we'll give him a shot. There were some incredible reversals, as I mentioned, in this match. And I, I want to kind of call out the hypocrisy a little bit because some of them are clearly kind of choreographed moves. And we've heard from people who used to disparage New Japan or Ring of Honor, the choreography. You don't like that in Ring of Honor. No. Well, let me be clear on this. I don't like this bouncing around when nothing is happening. I'm, I mean choreographed moves that set up actual physicality. Like we see with Will Ospreay a lot. But the Will Ospreay versus Ricochet thing, 
do you still feel that that was well, when they were just bouncing around in the ring and neither was even touching each other? Yes. It was kind of like, oh, look at <laughs> what I can do. I'm talking about a choreographed like reversal. Andre, okay. Andrade had uh, Mysterio up, and it was clearly that he pushed him up, kind of like he was going to sling him over, but it set up a, a great reversal. My, my thing is, and you kind of got me off track on this, is... Because so, I'm trying to make sure you're on the same page as your other beliefs that you told no, me before. Yeah, I, again, I I don't like the skipping around, you yeah. know, where it looks like Cirque du Soleil. I don't mind the choreography if it of leads set, setting up a physical move. And that that's what I think Will Ospreay has done so well in a lot of his matches. Mm-hmm. But my question to you is, WWE people who who look down on New Japan for that kind of stuff are lauding this. Isn't it a bit of hypocrisy in that regard? There's hypocrisy <laughs> in every edge of the wrestling world. Well, there, fandom true. corners and stuff. It's like people are like AEW is in competition. How dare the AEW marks say that? <laughs> then people are like the, the AEW people are like, oh, WWE is they're, they're trash. And then you know AEW is gonna be what we really need in wrestling. And there's very there's some people who are in the in between. But yes, there's hypocrisy everywhere in wrestling fandom. It's kind of like what you live with if you're a hardcore wrestling fan who literally goes out and reads stuff on the internet or watches stuff or listens to podcasts like us. You're going to encounter some hypocrisy here and there. Hell. Maybe sometimes we're a little hypocritical. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I know I have a bias Yes, that I admit to. (laughs) Yes, you do. But, you know, it is what it is. But you're right. Some people hate on New Japan, but they thought this was the greatest thing ever. Like, as I watch this, I'm like, this is exactly what people who hate New Japan are criticizing, yet they love this. Yeah. And to me, it was... And to be clear, I love both. I know, whatever. <laughs> All right, let's get to the bad, because too much positivity. Positivity. Let's get back to uh, the bad stuff in WWE. A return to uh, a skin, I guess is the best way to put it. Or the teasing of skin. Yes. There really wasn't that much no, skin there shown. No, re- there really wasn't. But, but the idea of it in, is sickening. In the PG world, it's a lot less than it used to be in the PG-13 world. But Alexa Bliss, Mandy Rose, two different stories. You know, Bliss accidentally walked in on Mandy Rose trying to seduce Jimmy Uso to to infuriate uh, Naomi. Are these two tactics setting back, and that's the question I'm seeing in some articles, is that setting back all the progress that the women's division made, or is this a blip on the radar of Vince getting his hands on some things, but it really, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big a deal. I think it's pretty bad. I think it's uh, it's gross. I mean, just the idea why you're you're trying to push this whole agenda, and the agenda is even slimy in my opinion because it, it's so much to their own to work for their own you know means and reasons and to benefit them in the end. You know, to be such a PC like you know, oh, we're such a equal opportunity company and all this and that they're publicly traded they have to be that way so to me it's all slimy but you know you push all this we're getting better man look at this evolution oh here's alexa bliss isn't she hot <laughs> look this guy comes in and her change and it really made no sense it was out of it nowhere was a stupid segment and everyone hated it and it was so predictable because he knocks on the door twice and <laughs> to me just let them wrestle yeah the guys don't do stuff like this on the on the whole mostly right they don't make the guys be in these ridiculous segments about 
their sexuality. Yeah. I don't like it. And now I might be going to the extreme. <laughs> like people use Scarlet, uh, you know, Boudreaux. Isn't that her name? Right. The Smoke Show. Um, I haven't really watched much of her stuff, but they're using her as an example, saying, well, that's the right way to do women being attractive in this day and age. I disagree with that, too, because just let them wrestle. Like, I don't, I don't tune into wrestling to see somebody being portrayed as hot, man or woman. I'm just there to see awesome stories and wrestling. I don't want everything to be about being, you know, objectified. So to me, yeah, they're saying, well, at least she's, she, it looks like her character is choosing to be that way. Now, I guess you could say that it seems like the character's in control, but it makes it slimy when Don Callis is like, whoa, I'm making all these gross comments on commentary. So to me, both, both examples are kind of gross to right. me. I mean, I don't know. If- if you're going to play devil's advocate, I guess you could say Mandy Rose's is more to get on Naomi and set up a feud with her. It's to promote Temptation Island. That's what a lot of people on Twitter are saying. <laughs> because isn't that on USA? Yes. That terrible reality show? <laughs> they kept plugging that after the whole Mandy Rose, like, Jimmy infidelity so, so, angle. So... so He's being tempted, and yeah. here's Temptation Island. Yes. I had not even thought of that. That's I didn't either, but i, I got to give credit to Wrestling Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely saw that there, and once they said that, I was like, wow, that really makes sense, and it's such a cheap thing, such a cheap way to plug something. Well, and some um, other things in WWE that, you know, I know it was storyline, but Vince, you know, fawning over his big brutes in the ring, Cena and McIntyre, and disparaging Finn, it just kind of to me, showed his true stripes of how he likes the behemoths and doesn't like the little guy. I know it was storyline, but I, I wasn't a big fan of that. And as you've said in the past, it gets old like you're such a small guy. Like the insult that somebody's right. small. Right. It's overplayed. Right. It's overdone, overplayed. It's just, we're past that now. There's so many smaller wrestlers, it really doesn't make sense to make that a point no. of contention. All right, and finally... The Shane McMahon birthday thing. I'm so tired of these segments. I'm so tired. As soon as I saw cakes, I'm like, somebody's going to go through the cake. Somebody's going to have the cake rubbed in their face. As it turned out, both things happened. It's just enough with the cakes. Same old, same old. It's like harkening back to, he loves, you know, food-based comedy. There was like that ridiculous food fight a couple of years ago where Kevin Owens ended up getting pied. Now, I don't like the food fight, but I'm still wondering who put that pie (laughs) in Kevin Owens' face. We still don't know. It's one of WWE's great mysteries that we may never know the answer to. But um, nonetheless, I don't like the food fight. I don't like food cake stuff. People getting cake. Maybe if they did it once a year, but they seem to do it so much. They do it around the 4th of July. They do it around Thanksgiving. It's like Even once a year is too much. I know it is. It's stupid comedy. It's It's slapstick that doesn't even work anymore. Right. Right. It's... It's, it, it's an older man's version it, of comedy. It's yelling out food fight in Animal House is what it is. Yeah, well, it's Vince McMahon's <laughs> idea of what's funny to him. Uh, that'll that'll kind of close out the book on WWE, although I will have something on closing out the show where I'm also critical about WWE, and our extended discussion will be about guys going to and from WWE. Yeah, but let me just put in right there, we did a lot of negative stuff not only for WWE, we said a few negatives about Ring of Honor's pay-per-view in terms of, like, the crowd and stuff. If you guys disagree with us, as we say every week, that's more than okay. It's perfectly fine to agree to disagree. Tweet us at TwoFacePod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D, or at my Twitter, SuperKickingIt. Tell us why you disagree. And that's perfectly okay. Hopefully you still enjoy listening to well, us and if we... you don't agree with everything we right. say. Right. Just like we are okay with people who have different opinions. Right. Just to have uh, come with a... 
valid points, and uh, we love the back and forth. Yeah, we might even read it on a future show. That's right. The opposite opinion. Uh, finally, AEW, uh, more news this week. Uh, apparently spotted at Joey Ryan's show. Yeah, they sent out a cryptic tweet, and I say they because it was literally every member of AEW. They tweeted within seconds of each other just one word. So it was, see ya in Los Angeles. And then Nick said bar. So as in bar wrestling. And that's Joey Ryan's promotion. And, you know, they showed up there. SCU had already had a scheduled match, you know, on the card. So it really kind of made sense since SCU is a part of AEW. And they said, you never know where we're going to show up next. That's kind of cool. And I think that keeps them being talked about because like we were talking about especially you kind of mentioned, they have to do something between now and Double or Nothing, whether it's an announcement about a TV deal or these little appearances that keep people talking about the promotion because they're not going to be in front of people probably until Double or Nothing for an extended period of time unless they announce a deal before then, which I don't think they will. I think they might announce it at that show and then start a a TV show then after. But this is a good way to keep their name out there, to keep the buzz, and just to do something fun. And, of course, there's all sorts of rumors about WWE people that could jump ship. I saw that Dolph Ziggler, they want him more as a producer. He may ask for his release because he wants to wrestle. Now, these are all right. like, not confirmed. Right. Now, Maria, Maria. Canellis and Mike Bennett, yeah. I heard, have asked for their release. As they should because they haven't been used. In there's... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. And what they've been used for has been ridiculous anyway. I mean, <laughs> I think Mike Bennett has only been on like eight episodes of SmackDown <laughs> since he's joined the roster, which is insane. It's right. been like over a year. He did take time off to like get well and stuff, but still, it's crazy how little he's been featured. In fact, I saw a tweet from Maria. They're actually married in real life. She tweeted, he posted a picture of his before and after like 10 years ago, and now he's trimmed up a lot, like in, has gotten skinnier and more like muscular. And he posted the side-by-side, and she, quote, tweeted it and said, Psht, why isn't this guy on TV? <laughs> or smuh. I can't remember what noise she said at the beginning. But basically, why isn't my husband on television? Yeah, no, I agree. So definitely some frustration there. And the big one... Is the revival. Yes. Yeah. There's all kinds of rumors. Some articles I've read said that they've literally asked for the release, but right. others have not said that they have asked for the release. It's just kind of like people in WWE are afraid they're wrapping up with the company, which would make sense for them to do. If I was the Revival... They were so much hotter in NXT before they got the call-up. They were, <laughs> and to me, Bucks versus Revival could literally main event double or nothing because they've actually low-key built that in to... For- like a, a year, year. Yeah. on being the elite and episodes upon episodes where they mentioned FTR and literally the revival having hashtag FTR in their trunks a few weeks ago. To me, I was like, what? This is so weird. What does this all mean? Now, it could be a whole big trolling thing, right. but I don't think so because if the revival were smart, I would say now is the time. Strike while the iron's hot. The tag team division in WWE is not like the tag team division is going to be in AEW. AEW, because the founders are a tag team, it's going to value tag teams higher just because of that very fact. I agree. And also, uh, Chris Jericho's recent podcast also touched on things. Yeah, Chris Jericho had a great podcast where he kind of gave more behind-the-scenes reasons of why he decided to join AEW. He had been in talks with Vince. It's not like he's totally betraying Vince. He had talked with him on and off. He even gave WWE a chance to make him an offer, said Chris on this podcast episode. But, you know, a few days before the AEW rally, and they knew that was happening, by the way, 
There was no offer made, so Chris Jericho made the decision, and it's a three-year deal with AEW. To me, that's quite a long deal. I didn't realize that last week. I thought it was going to be at least a year, but three years is quite a long time. Shows quite the commitment financially. Yeah, and I also find it interesting that Jericho revealed that the private jet he took to go from All In straight to his Fozzie show, because it was basically like, I think it was the same night or the day after. They were very close together. That's why people thought he wasn't going to be at All In, because they knew on his tour schedule he had his show booked so close. But he took a private jet, and the private jet was provided by Tony Khan, a.k.a. the guy financially backing AEW. So all that's very interesting. Now, he hadn't signed with AEW or, you know, bought into the idea completely back then, but they were in talks. I think Tony Khan and him talked about his idea about this wrestling promotion even back then. So it's kind of cool how that jet was provided by yep, him to laid, Jericho. Kind of laid the gra- laying the groundwork that uh, showing him this, how serious he is. Yep, and this is all kind of coming together behind the scenes. This just didn't happen in the last few weeks. This this has been coming together for a while. Well, I mean, if you remember the things they were saying at All In, they were saying, "Aren't we all elite here?" Mm-hmm. Matt was in the ring, and he literally said that phrase, like, aren't we all elite, all elite wrestling? So to me, because, like, I wouldn't have put all elite as the name of their promotion because um, maybe, like, being the elite, maybe that would have been the name, or just the elite. But I wouldn't have thought, you know, I wouldn't have taken that as a hint to, to anything bigger. Right. But it, obviously, looking back, it obviously was a little clue. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of cool. So that's really interesting. We'll just have to see how more news comes out of there. And I'm really, I think the most I'm looking forward to is seeing who leaves WWE for <laughs> AEW. I think that's going to be so interesting and really a sign that things are changing in wrestling in 2019. We are uh, not really talking impact this week, but you wanted to circle back <laughs> to something you missed uh, when we talked about homecoming last week. Eli Drake reminding you of somebody. This is so weird, and maybe it's just me, but was Eli Drake channeling The Rock? He did this promo during Homecoming where he was standing with an interviewer, and it just really was so reminiscent of one of The Rock's promos back where he was wearing his black trunks with the Brahma Bull on the back and everything, and he was doing the eyebrow raising and the cocky stance where he was kind of like moving all around and just looking at the camera, rolling his eyes, looking at the interviewer, kind of having a head wobble, (laughs) and just... So Eli Drake's body language was just like that. And it's because I know The Rock's old school promos so well. That's why I was like, this is just like that. Like, what the hell? Not only his body, but his voice inflection, too. Uh And I was like, what is he doing? just kind of the way he had his head turned up like The Rock does. Exactly. (laughs) And it was just like everything about the shot in the promo was like he was trying to be The Rock. Now, I will say... He might have tried, but I don't think he was successful. (laughs) I'm not a big Eli Drake fan just because I don't think he has the same amount of charisma, or really, to me, he's not very charismatic to be a top guy in the company, but as soon as I said it looked like he was channeling The Rock, I think you agreed. Oh, I agreed. I agreed. Yeah, because you didn't see it, though, but once I said it, I was like, yeah, it has to be this, and you were like, yeah. You know what's coming up next? What? It doesn't matter what is coming up next (laughs) when I watch that. It's okay. (laughs) You tried. I I was so excited to jump on you on that. You tried. uh, Coming up, (laughs) we look at wrestlers who have changed personas or reinvented themselves going to and from WWE. And we get some of your favorites in Heads and Tails. I botched earlier. It's okay. (laughs) St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. 
Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. Welcome back to Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. It's time for our extended discussion segment. It's time for Heads and Tails. Kelsey, uh, we've kind of alluded to it throughout the show. Uh, Guys going to and from WWE. Just explain the premise a little bit. Yeah, actually, I put out a question on social media, and what made me think of this was, for some reason, sometimes, you know, I think about Sami Zayn coming back, and with AEW and everything, I have this pipe dream, like, what if Sami Zayn would go to, you know, AEW, and he would finally get his title run, because they would value him, and they know how good he is. But then I started thinking, I know that's never going to happen, period, but if it ever did happen, which I know it won't, Regardless, if it did happen, would he be Sami Zayn or would he be El Generico? That made me start thinking about all these different wrestlers, not only going to and from WWE, but even within the same companies, they change personas sometimes or just do a little bit of a different incarnation of their character. So I I wanted to see what other people thought of wrestlers who kind of change things up, which personas they actually like better, even though it's technically the same wrestler. Right. Like, uh, for example... Cody Rhodes is completely different than Stardust in exactly. WWE. Probably a lot better. Although Stardust oh, yeah. was great in some of his promos. But... Stardust was great at the beginning. People forget. That was awesome. And Cody Rhodes was so dedicated to the character. But, you know, it just lost steam. And the booking didn't help things either. But Cody didn't want to be doing that anyway. He was kind of, like, thrown into that because of the whole gold dust thing. But he made the best of it while he could. And I always respected Cody for that because no matter what gimmick, and he had plenty in WWE, like dashing Cody Rhodes, etc., etc. He always gave it his all and just always has been top-notch character work. That's why he's done so well with being an actor and guest starring on like Arrow and stuff, just because he's, he's so good at that type of thing. I think it's just in his blood. But I put out a question on social media and we had so many great responses. The question was, some wrestlers have gone through different incarnations as they move between companies, especially when they head to or leave WWE, or sometimes even within the same company. Some examples include Zayn slash El Generico, Owen slash Steen, Stardust slash Cody, as you said, Paul, Surfer Sting slash Crow Sting, and many more. Some incarnations were very different, others not so much. Tell us which versions of any wrestlers you enjoy more and why. And then we had great answers. Keith Learmonth said, Maybe an unpopular opinion, but I think Sami Zayn is far superior to El Generico. Why he chose to hide that expressive face and those mic skills behind a mask and a faux Mexican gimmick, I'll never understand. At Paul T5 Nerds Go, Edge and Christian, reeking of awesomeness era. I just thought they were the coolest doofuses on the planet, all for the benefit of those with flash photography. Amazing super athletic tag team and an amazing time for WWE tag teams. 
my favorite version of both superstars. That is a fun version of Edge and Christian. They were great. Yeah, they really were. At R-L-A-N-G-E-L-E-S, the best character change, the ghost of Adam Cole <laughs> to the undisputed era Adam Cole. It's not really a character change. He just left from one promotion to another and storyline he died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I like I, it. I think it's quite a character change going from dead to alive. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, met at Mr. Frasor DW, I was going to say Mike Rotunda to IRS, but I think I'd go with Matt Bourne. Doink, I always liked him, even when he was Big Josh in WCW. And when he debuted as Doink, I was skeptical, but he played the character so well, I just wish he'd been a heel a little longer. That's an interesting take, and nobody said that, but I really like that opinion, actually. That's kind of cool. You wouldn't think Doink is a great character, but (laughs) he was really involved in a lot of things. I do, though. I like he mentioned Mike Rotunda and IRS. The IRS character was always... in the era of goofy characters, that was always a great character. It really was. It kind of worked somehow. Somehow in a weird way. It was It was kind of fun. So at J. Mills, 1323, I loved El Generico, Brody Lee, and Chris Hero. The WWE versions I like are Seth Rollins over Tyler Black, which is interesting because I do think a lot of people feel the same way about Seth Rollins specifically. A lot of people don't seem to favor his Tyler Black version for some reason. Um... Seth Rollins is just so over right now. Let's go to Edgar underscore the Oceans. I really enjoyed stunning Steve Austin in his WCW days. His time with Brian Pillman as the Hollywood Blondes, which you always liked, helped him break out of the generic buff blonde template with humor and character. Also, I dug the guitar riff used by in his uh, WCW theme. I did too. They would always kind of like fake strum along as they came to the ring. Like you said, that I mean, not a lot of people would pick stunning Stone Cold, like stunning Steve Austin over Stone Cold Steve no. Austin, excuse me. But um, I still think you can't diminish too much stunning Steve Austin because he really started to have a personality come out and be more than just a normal guy it kind of you saw him think about character more and develop a character so that's why i think that is a good rendition of him i wouldn't pick him over stone cold (laughs) but still still both good versions yeah then our great friends probably our best friends in podcasting at view from top rope i'll go with the good brothers and he means of course gallows and anderson I'll take their time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. They were no-nonsense butt-kickers who dominated the heavyweight tag division. And Anderson's last G1, he had so many great matches that he was going to get a singles push. Now they do Botchamania. And we discussed them last week. Uh, I would know, love if they went to AEW, but, but I think they're, they're comfortable. happy. Yeah, yeah, comfortable and happy, and they're in the same show with their buddy AJ Styles. So. They might not even care about their place on the card. No. no. I'm not presuming that that's how they feel. It's just, I don't know. It doesn't seem like they want to make a huge move or anything. At Scope underscore wrestling, Steen greater than Owens, in my humble opinion. I loved how unbridled the Steen character was, and I missed the way he executed the package pile driver. Steen worked wherever he performed. I used to be jealous of the PWG crowd. He was more unfiltered there than in ROH. And I just didn't think that was possible. My favorite part about Steen over Owens is, like he said, the uncensored nature of him. Mm-hmm. Like, remember that promo I showed With the you? Young Bucks, yeah. yeah, and Adam Cole, yep. and he was just like cursing left and right, and it was just so, I don't know, like raw, raw. Not, like that's the exact the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he was more raw, just randomly on the you know indie circuit, also in ROH and PWG and stuff. 
versus being on Raw. Right. Which is funny. But I have to agree with them there. I really kind of lean towards Steen. Because you could do whatever you want. You're mm-hmm. not, like, kind of fenced in with the PG crowd. Then our good friend at Dave Pazeski. I'm having a tough time thinking of one, so I'll go with an easy one. The Hardys. Honestly, I'm probably in the minority in saying that I like the classic Hardys more than the broken Hardys. I guess it's just the nostalgia of them jumping off tall things I remember growing up. I bet you you agree with them, don't you? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I totally agree with that. I kind of do. Let's put it this way, though. I like the Hardys more than the Hardy Boys when they debuted. (laughs) (laughs) Where they were kind of like, who are these goofs, you know? Yeah. No, I don't think... When they debuted, I remember thinking, there's no way these guys are going to be over. And then once, really? you, once you saw them wrestle a few times, and, you know. They then were, you knew. They were kind of on the same level as Scotty Too Hotty. And, you know. Was, I love Scotty Too Hotty. Yeah, Hottie, I know. Though. But you, you didn't take them as legitimate tag team contenders. Yeah. Until you watched them wrestle a few times, and then you totally did. W-O-R-M. Unrelated. <laughs> but <laughs> I really, really, um... I have to disagree with Dave, and like he said, he thinks he's in the minority. I'm really surprised by your answer, but I have a soft spot for the Broken Hardies. But to be fair, I'm not struck with the nostalgia factor that really kind of forms a lot of people's wrestling opinions. They grew up loving a certain thing and, you know, having their favorites. I didn't watch live growing up. I only discovered it a few years ago, so it's totally different for me. But I can relate because I like 90s stuff. It's just not for wrestling. I feel like with them in particular, the... Hardys were more about the wrestling. Broken Hardy is more about the story. And the character. Yeah. So I think that's the difference. I love Broken Hardy, but I think the Hardys as a tag team were pretty hard to beat. You know, we had a thing about the Hardys and then earlier about Edge and Christian. What about the brood Edge <laughs> and Christian? I loved that theme song. I didn't like that one rendition. Of best, one of the best entrance theme songs ever. I know, I agree. Love I that. didn't like the rendition of them as much, like the characters, <laughs> but that theme song could stay forever for me. I love that theme. Next one at PCH Nilbog. The one-man gang was always my favorite big man back in the day when Vince turned him into Akeem the African Dream. It just broke my black heart. (laughs) That was pretty terrible. (laughs) I know. I just don't know why they changed him. Well, what am I saying? Vince. Vince has to have his hands on everything. I know the answer to my own question. At Neo Reality ENT, Chris Jericho, the epitome of a character changing with the times, from squeaky clean Jericho to conspiracy victim to to Greenberg to Y2J to Anton Jericho and to Alpha slash Clockwork Orange Jericho. Also, Triple H, you know, he went from Jean-Paul to Blue Blood to Degeneration X to the game to evolution to authority. So many different renditions of both. Well, and Jericho in particular, and we've talked about this in the show, no guy I think ever in wrestling has been able to change his persona so many times and so easily bounce back and forth between being a face and a heel and being really good at both. There's a lot of guys that are only good as a heel. Like, perfect example, Randy Orton, I don't really like him as a face. He's a heel. He's a heel. Jericho could do both, and that was what was special about him to me. He can do both, but he can also get legit heel heat. He's not just a cool heel. Right. He starts off like that, but I remember when he first was doing his uh, last WWE run, at first it had started 
where he was trying to be a heel, but everyone still loved and cheered him because he had been gone so long. But then he started insulting the crowd, and he got them to turn and mm -hmm. actually boo him. That's a sign of a great heel. And like you said, he's good at either one, and that's one of the many things that makes him so special. And we're sorry because we have <laughs> talked about him being the GOAT and how he changes and evolves. We've talked about that like almost every week for like months. But it's warranted because he's so talented. Next one is at double AUB. He didn't change companies, but Surfer Sting to Crow Sting. Crow Sting, I was eight when he came back. I absolutely love the look, the mysterious dark element to him. I'm still amazed how well he was able to adapt to the character and make it work. It was night and day from Surfer Sting. I don't think there's many people who could have done it the way he did that character. It's kind of like no one but The Undertaker could have ever gotten the dead man gimmick over. They're both so silly, but they worked because of the person playing the part. I loved Crow Sting. Me too. It was, to me, although I obviously didn't grow up watching, like I just said, but looking back at older things when I watch old wrestling, I just can relate better to the Crow Sting. To me, it seems like, I know it's on the outside it could seem silly, but it seemed like really natural at the time and kind of cool and revolutionary. And although it was very similar to the movie The Crow, mm -hmm. it worked for him. And like he said, it took a special guy to pull it off. All right, you got the next one and yep. a brief answer on this one. At CJB9181, Jeff Cobb slash the monster from Lucha Underground. Quick and easy on that one. Uh, at BPACHA77511, the stunning and stole cold versions of Steve Austin. The stone cold version was my favorite. Why, you ask? Because it's freaking stone cold Steve Austin. Like, like we said, it's funny that we had someone say stunning Steve Austin when Stone Cold is like one of the greatest characters of all time but like right. I said they both have great aspects to them and elements to the characters just in very different ways but obviously Stone Cold kind of in history has to take the cake yeah. there at D-A-M-O-N-T 13 I say I like Evan Bourne slash Matt Seidel because he is the best wrestler on the planet now he didn't even say which one he liked more because those are two different incarnations of the same guy to me I like Matt Seidel I like the psychedelic I don't like I'm gonna preface this <laughs> I don't like impact version Matt Seidel because I don't like his entrance theme and I think he's not as prominent as he was. I like New Japan pro wrestling Matt Seidel when he was like tagging with Ricochet. That's the version I like. I like uh, I liked Evan Bourne in WWE. Really? But, it didn't so, seem like he had a lot of a personality. No, but I, I, I he was one of those guys that he just popped off the screen with his high flying stuff. And but, the, but yeah, he still has that now. No, but I know. The character's more there but, now. But the impact Matt Seidel especially turns me off because it's just. It's kind of corny. It's corny and not It wasn't good. as corny in New Japan for wrestling. That's why I'm not really a big fan of the Impact version. At James, 555-35520. Is he giving his phone number there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> eight, seven, wait, 8675309. Uh, mean Mark Callis to The Undertaker. Big man with an eerie character helped revolutionize the sport. And he was pretty good in WrestleMania matches. Yeah, you don't say. <laughs> yeah. Um, they heard enough of my singing for one show. No more. No more. So at Boxy Bait, Generation Me and TNA to Young Bucks elsewhere. Yeah, give me the latter. Of course, we talked about this in our Young Bucks special, which mm -hmm. I love, and I, I keep promoting because it's literally our most well-researched episode ever, and I'm really proud of that one. But we talked about how it's almost a crime that TNA made them Generation Me. You got this, like, super over, super unique, super colorful tag team that was over on the independent scene, like, 
in PWG, let's say, for example. But they changed them to this generic weird team and changed their names. It was awful. It's just, I don't know why. I agree with him. Give me the Young Bucks. At Smoke T Conqueror, Prince Devitt greater than Finn Balor. I don't know, I kind of like Finn Balor and everything about him and the entrance. Hard for me to hard for me to say that Prince Devitt's better. I have really hard time deciding. But I <laughs> will close. say, there is a section of the internet that actually hates Finn Balor. They don't mm-hmm. think his moves are exciting. They don't like his character. And actually, I really... I don't like cool guy Finn, and what I mean no, is I know what you mean. coming out with the trunks and then the jacket and just, like, popping his collar a thousand times. I don't like it. I like the demon, demon. Finn, and yes. what makes me like it so much is the music and, like, the whole pomp and circumstance. He still did the face paint and the, the different thematic face paint. He did more than just one version in New Japan Pro Wrestling and on the indies. So I, I kind of have to lean towards WWE only because of the theme adds so much to it. But I think he, like, let me add this really quick. I think, like, Chris, I'm sorry, I think, like, Kevin Owens, he was more uncensored in mm-hmm. New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he actually cursed and stuff. <laughs> so I kind of like that he could curse, but I still, like I said, I choose my final decision, <laughs> my final answer, like we're on that show. Is that your final answer? My final answer is WWE Finn. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have Nega underscore Kitty. Switchblade Jay White. He's not the best developed character ever, but goddamn, do I love to hate him. A great antagonist for New Japan Pro Wrestling and much more entertaining than the Jay White we saw mere months before on the British indie scene as in also as well in Ring of Honor Wrestling. Right. Because he was doing his excursion there. And of course, when you're doing excursion, you don't have a developed character, really. You're kind of just going in as something generic they've chosen for you, and then you kind of get a character when you return from Excursion. I didn't like the Switchblade character, and I know I've said this before. I grew to really, really love it because he he got a lot more comfortable with it, and he really owns the character now. So I have to agree, Switchblade is so much better. And at first, I actually preferred the other version, the Babyface version. Right, right. But Not anymore. He's done such a great job with the character now. It's it's beyond belief how much he's changed uh, and it, and how much he's kind of grown into it mm-hmm. overall at tom campbell pirate paul burchill got nowhere near enough love a brilliant character with great music a fun entrance and a move where he'd pull his opponent across the ring with an imaginary rope how can you not love it and then we have somebody who adds a nice funny comment <laughs> at real dave roberts trivia paul burchill's favorite letter of the alphabet is a heart is R. Yeah. You didn't do it right. I know. What I... the heck? You didn't even do that justice at all, uh, Paul. That was horrible. That's because it's the first time I read it. <laughs> Maybe if I'd have read it beforehand. It's R. <laughs> I like that a lot. And I actually read, because I didn't remember him, but he was on SmackDown, and he wanted to be that pirate character, and it was really getting over. I don't know if you remember watching Vaguely, yeah. him. I don't really remember, and I haven't gone back and watched this particular era, but... Apparently, Vince made him change, of course. Vince, at least that's what Wikipedia said, made him change his character. Even though the pirate gimmick was over, Vince thought that it wouldn't get over and that it really wasn't going to do well because he hadn't seen Pirates of the Caribbean, which it was kind of based on. He thought he should be an actual, more like a pirate, like, you know, a swashbuckling (laughs) guy from, like, one of those 50s movies. Ridiculous to change it when it was working, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. 
Great unique answer, Tom. Thank you. Then we go on to blue underscore Ray Mysterio. Surfer Sting, because once Sting got falsely accused of being an NWA, I mean being an NWO, <laughs> he stopped bragging about doing this, doing that, being as big as bull and as quick as a cat. So he liked just Surfer Sting. Who was great as well. Uh, at Zach SHI130. Rocky Maivia to The Rock to the corporate champ to the people's champ was the most hated good guy. Became The Rock by telling off the audience how he legit felt, grew to the corporate champ to cool off the eventual fan love, became the people's champ by earned respect and worth ethic. Yeah, The Rock, another guy. All who, of his incarnations besides the baby face, you know, Rocky Maivia, they were all great except for that first one really where people hated that. Tons of replies also came in joking because I used Sami Zayn and El Generico in my answer as an example of, you know, the same wrestler playing two different characters. El Generico is supposed to be either dead or helping out orphans in Mexico. So tons of people were, like, making joke answers, saying all kinds of stuff about them not being the same person. So here's some examples. At May Day 86, two Y's on each, May and Day. Quit spreading lies! Generico is in Mexico helping with the orphans. At 2OSM underscore NJ, I'm tired of people spreading the misinformation about Generico. Let the man rest in peace. At Stevie said, yup, those are two completely different people in the picture. El Generico is taking care of little orphan children in Mexico. At Amaras, wait, I thought El Generico was out helping those poor orphans. Then lastly, we've got at RealTheGuy87, well, Generico died a while back, so I don't know why he's on this list. (laughs) (laughs) So tons of people giving me heat about saying that Sami Zayn's the same as El Generico, but we all know the truth, guys. Come on, (laughs) Kayfabe is dead. He's alive and well, and he's the same person. And I actually, I want to close this out with saying my opinion. I actually have a really hard time choosing between Sami Zayn and El Generico, because I honestly love both characters almost equally. What makes me pick Sami Zayn barely over El Generico is that Sami Zayn is such a great babyface. Like, Rami, he plays a babyface character so effortlessly really he's somebody and i've said this in the past it's kind of one of my standard things i always say he's like bailey in that they're both really believable as good people and that's why they work so well as a baby face because a lot of times you've got somebody who's really trying to be a very corny and forced baby face both zane and bailey are natural baby faces where it's just effortless and you want to get behind them you want to root for them and simi zane always delivers whether he was el generico or zane it didn't matter which character he played. His match consistency has always been some of the highest out there. I mean, if you look at Nakamura's debut against Sami Zayn, that's one of my favorite matches ever. I've watched that match like ten times. I love that NXT TakeOver match. And why did they give Nakamura's debut to Zayn? Well, one, it was so emotional because it was Zayn's, you know, departure from NXT. But also because I think they knew Zayn could help Nakamura have a great debut match. And they trusted Zayn enough to do that. And if you look against... His El Generico stuff, just as great match quality when he was tagging with Kevin Steen at the time, and also when he was having matches against Steen, like in Ladder Wars, back when it first started in Ring of Honor. So, any way you shake it, Sami Zayn's great in matches over the whole map of characters he's played, but I have to lean towards Zayn being my favorite. And we want to mention that uh, starting this week, we're going to start giving away some of these exclusive StarCast posters. So we're going to contact one of you that gave an answer, 
and we're going to uh, give it away to you. And it's it, a StarCast poster, but it's also got us in it, and yeah. it's got the Golden Lovers, and it's awesome. It's by, like we talked about in our commercials, our artist that designed our logo, Eric Hudson. It's one of my favorite pieces of art that anyone's ever done for me, because I've had a few custom pieces made for me before, but this one's awesome, and it's actually based off a comic book cover. So we're going to give that away, and we're going to give one away. We've got a stack of them and uh, some other giveaways, so... Uh, fairly regularly on the weeks to come, we're going to be given some giveaways. Uh, so I... be sure you participate in all of our Twitter polls and questions because we're going to be doing this for a while now. We've got tons of stuff to give away. I do want to circle back to our heads and tails for one, for my opinion. Go ahead. I, I think one that nobody really brought up, the transformation of John Cena. Remember he came in with the thug- oh my God. thugonomics? I didn't even think of that. And uh, now he's completely a baby face. Uh, I, I would strongly suggest there's a great article in Sports Illustrated about his transformation, actually, and you know how it coincided with what he's done with Make-A-Wish, which is tremendous. But uh, What do you like better, though? Because a lot of people hate Babyface Cena, and they've wanted him to go heel for years. Well, and the Thugonomics thing was kind of cool when he came out, and I've mentioned but, it before, that I was, I was there for his debut at the Allstate Arena. Which we were just at recently. Yeah, for a hockey game. Um, I don't know. I kind of liked it because he would also come out in like the home team's colors. Like if he was in Boston, he'd come out in Celtic green. You know, I don't know. I, I mean, I like him when he has more of an edge rather than when he's goofy. I'll, I will say that no matter what it is. But the thugonomic Cena is goofy though. It is. It's goofy white rapper. And it wouldn't work today. No. It would be totally dated. So to me. Like, Babyface Cena is kind of more versatile, where you could do more with them, and it matches in today's day and age. But I understand the nostalgia, and you like how he kind of was edgier and wasn't as, like, you know how he gets that country accent when he's doing a Babyface <laughs> promo sometimes? It's like he turns country all of a sudden. So sometimes that type of Cena, I understand, he gets annoying. But uh, So I see both sides of the coin there. And then uh, the one thing I wanted to, and we're not going to go through a long list or anything, but I also find it interesting, we talk about how guys have had to trans or transform some guys just did by necessity, whatever. How about the guys that have kind of stayed the same between uh, uh, promotions? Because that's not easy to do either, no. especially with guys like Samoa Joe who are basically the same. I mean, there's not a lot of difference between TNA Samoa Joe and, you know, SmackDown's Samoa Joe. In my opinion, he's exactly the same. Right. Like, literally completely the same and i think that's because there's nothing wrong with it why change it but wwe doesn't care if right. there's nothing they, wrong right change they it still anyway. change something so luckily they kept him intact because he didn't need anything i mean his promo skills are like second to none um somebody like aj styles although he's not as kind of raw as he was in new japan and ring of honor and stuff he's still essentially the same mm-hmm. i do think he's a little toned down and more family friendly right because he's almost like the face of the company yeah you know, one of the second faces of the company besides some other bigger people. But to me, when people say Kenny Omega going to WWE, I knew that would never happen. It's just not the same as AJ Styles. He adapted so well and kept the core of who he was. Somebody like Kenny Omega would have to completely censor himself, in my opinion, to work in WWE because they wouldn't let him be so raw. And so there, there's some wrestlers who can stay the same, but there's some who just can't. When they come to WWE, they have to change. Like El Generico, they couldn't have done that there. No. It would have been offensive. And Sami Zayn 
even his own record saying how scared he was changing because he was so used to that working for him. He was so known as that. He was like, how could I succeed as Sami Zayn? But he realized later, like, that's what needed to happen, and he loved his new character. So it's kind of funny. It worked out for people like him. Yeah, absolutely. Others, you know, just didn't have to change. So great uh, input from all of you. Again, we'll have a giveaway for one of you, and uh, we appreciate all the great answers. But uh, it's time for us to close out the show and send them home. Kelsey, you lead off with a couple of items. Yep, I've got a few things to kind of plug. One, the Women of Wrestling, wow, premieres the day that this podcast drops, January 18th. And every Friday after, it'll be consistent. and It'll be on Access TV, 9 p.m. Eastern. Check it out. I've been seeing some clips because uh, I've been getting some media updates on it, and I think it should be really good. I'm really happy that somebody like Tessa Blanchard's in it because, to me, she could be the face of the whole thing. She's one of the best women wrestlers on the non-WWE scene right now, and we've talked about her a lot last week. My only concern with it is it seems like almost uh, 80s and 90-ish with some of the characters. I think it's purposeful that, yeah. that, it, that it's like that. I think that's what they're kind of going for. But I understand, like, how is that working in this day and age? But it's obviously a niche that yep. that they're tapping into. Yep. So I think that's fine for what it is. You got to compete with the different women markets. You got to stand out in some way, you know. Mm-hmm. As long as the wrestling's good, I'm okay with it. And hopefully the gimmicks aren't too corny. But I can't wait to check it out <laughs> firsthand because I haven't really seen much of it, to be honest. Also, my other tease is, you know, we said last week, and the same is true this week, Poppin' Wrestling Connection will return soon. That's the segment, if you're unfamiliar, if you're a new viewer or listener, it's where we cross pop culture topics with wrestling. We've done all kinds of ones in the past, like Home Alone, you know, if you were Die Hard, if you were Kevin McAllister is a specific example, which wrestlers would you choose to help protect your house against the sticky bandits? People loved that one. So we've got two in the pipeline coming soon our next one's going to be about tommy boy that's the movie with chris farley and david spade one of my favorite movies ever and we're going to choose which wrestlers we would recast to be in the movie and play you know chris farley's character and david spade's character and they're kind of like an odd couple type of character so it'd be interesting and i'm trying to persuade people don't just say Sami Zayn and kevin owens because <laughs> to me that's the easy answer they're opposites they're friends and it really is easy to say them. So try to come up with something else when you when I finally put out the question and you guys submit answers. Because to me, that's like the easiest answer you can come up with. But yeah, you're going to see me do fat guy in a little coat when that happens. I, saw, I said I wouldn't sing. I saw but... you doing some down by the river thing the other night. So... <laughs> yeah, motivational speaker. That's right. I'm in a van down by the river. That's SNL, not Tommy yeah, Boy, know, but it still works. Still Chris Farley. I can't do it very good, but I love Chris Farley. He's one of my favorites ever. And we went to Second City and got to see where he actually performed and, like, cut his chops and stuff. It was awesome. But anyway, so after Tommy Boy, I just learned this week that there's going to be a sequel to Ghostbusters. And I'm actually really excited because I don't like the idea of the revamp which with the all-women cast because to me it's like why revamp something that works so well this thing coming out in 2020 is a sequel i'm so intrigued what does that mean is it going to be good the trailer really just showed really nothing it kind of had the music it showed like you know the car so i don't know but i'm intrigued and that got me thinking i think after tommy boy our next one should be 
Ghostbusters, recast wrestlers in the roles of the Ghostbusters, and I'm going to recast Slimer as well. That'll be my little tease for that. I already have somebody in mind for that, and I'm really excited about it because I just love Ghostbusters. I even put out a poll on Twitter, who's your favorite Ghostbuster? It actually got a lot of play, so <laughs> keep, you know, tuned into my Twitter. Like I said, you'll see more polls like that, and um, just more proof that I love Ghostbusters. For my birthday, I got literally the Lego Firehouse Ghostbusters set, and it's like 4,600 pieces, so I'll actually tweet out my picture of that whenever I get to it and finish it, which will take forever. But that's what you guys have to look forward to in the future. All right, well, I'm going to close out the show by uh, another criticism of WWE, even though, again, I, I appreciate the good stuff that's going on as far as the wrestling and letting some of the matches breathe a little bit. But I'm not a fan of, and if you watched Raw, you saw that Braun Strowman was pulled from the title match against Brock Lesnar. Mm -hmm. Obviously, WWE knew that Strowman was not going to be healthy enough and had a plan, as from what I've read, to have Finn Balor in that spot all along because they didn't want Braun Strowman to lose to Lesnar again. They want Lesnar at WrestleMania. Again, this is all speculation. The bottom line is they apparently knew that it was going to be Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble. Not unlike Evolution, where they kept teasing that Alexa Bliss was going to go against Trish Stratus when they knew Alexa Bliss wasn't going to be ready. Right. Obviously, she's hosting talk shows now. She's not even wrestling. It's called Bait and Switch. And I know in wrestling, hard subject to change, but when you know well in advance and you're still billing things as a certain thing because you want to sell tickets, I think it's slimy. Well, that's why that line is there. Yeah. It happens. I know, but it's it's slimy. I, look, I think for the most part, I don't think people are going to a pay-per-view because of what the marquee says anyways. If you're going to Royal Rumble... You're going to Royal Rumble, whether Brock Lesnar is taking on Finn Balor or if he's taking on Kurt Hawkins. You know, you're still going to Royal Rumble regardless. I have to agree with you on that. I think so you're right. So I don't think they need to do this. So why be deceptive? I mean, there's one thing on being hopeful. Maybe that, okay, maybe this person will be ready. But I don't know. I'm not a fan. I understand. I think we had to end with a get off my lawn. That's we right. haven't had that <laughs> type of complaining That's in a true. while. That's so true. I'm glad you gave <laughs> us some criticism there. Thank you, Paul. And thank you guys for always tuning in to listen to us or view us if you're watching us on YouTube. We really appreciate it. And in fact, we can't even say how much it means to us because you give us your precious time and we know how much that matters. So thanks again. And we hope you enjoyed it. Have a good rest of the day or night, whenever you're watching or listening to us. And that's it for us. That's the finish. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.